Brother Danny. The virgin birth of Jesus is a central truth of Christianity. The fact that God left heaven to come to the earth and live as a man is captivating, to say the least. John 1.14 says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory, glory as the only one begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. While the facts surrounding the birth of Jesus are indeed rooted in Scripture, the special celebration of His birth, as we know, is a man-made event, is a holiday. But it is indeed beautiful. For without His birth, we would not have His life, we would not have his death, so it is certainly appropriate to consider it this morning. Because since during this time of year, so many people are thinking about Jesus and thinking about his birth. But this morning, we're also going to look at what he did as a man as we look beyond the manger. As a baby, first off, he was helpless. One of the things that we consider when we hold a newborn, minutes, hours, days old, even older than that, but one of the things that we consider when we look at this helpless child is the potential of that child. That he or she has done nothing up to this point but brought a newness to our lives. And one of the things that we learn very quickly about a baby, is that they are helpless. And Jesus was totally dependent, as a baby, on others for survival. And he was also, though, amazing to watch, I'm sure, his first steps, his first laugh, and the first words that he surely spoke. And those are precious, precious times. I actually have Mason's first steps on video. I'm so happy about that. But a baby, he was helpless. But as a man, we become totally dependent on him for our life and for our survival. First Philippians chapter 1 says this, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Acts 17, 28. For in him we live, and we move, and we exist. So as a, as a baby, he was helpless. But as a man, we see how much we need His love. We need His guidance. We need His wisdom. For we are helpless without Him. Helpless to go to heaven. Helpless to live on this earth. I am thankful every day for the wisdom and for the guidance in Scripture. It helps me to be a better person, a husband, a dad, a friend. Whenever you look to Scripture and whenever you find those glorious bits of wisdom that are throughout the Word of God, you will see how truly helpless you are because you could not do it without Him. And one of the things, especially in His day, that the people observed was the power that He had. John eleven forty three talks about His resurrection. When He resurrected Lazarus, Matthew 8, Jesus cast out demons. Matthew chapter 14, Jesus walks on the water. 
and too many other miracles and, and events that he conducted, miraculous events that he conducted on this earth, too many to mention this morning. But as we reflect on these events, they certainly are awe-inspiring. For they could only have come from the Son of God. And these, of course, are events that no baby could have performed, but rather only the Son of God. And this sort of power, as he conducted these things, as a man, this power demands our respect. We love babies because they're cute, because they're ours, because they do silly things. We love them. If something comes over us quite often when we see a baby. We want to hold it. We want to give it kisses. We want to snuggle it. But the man Jesus, you see, had a greater purpose, has a greater purpose for our lives today. And we must remember him as the baby that he was in the beautiful passage brother Danny read a moment ago it is dear to my heart and I believe it's probably dear to yours as well we need to remember that but we also need to remember the power that he as a man can enact in our lives today has he changed your life if you can't place a finger on scripture wherein you can see it's because of this passage, whether it was something that Jesus did specifically, or maybe it was something inspired by the Holy Spirit. If you cannot put your finger on a passage and say it's because of this bit of wisdom, this one verse, this ten-word sentence, this has changed my life. If you can't do that at a minimum, I encourage you to find that verse, to find that passage, to find that, that book, Romans, by the way, is a good place to start. But find something in Scripture that shows so that you yourself can recognize the power that God has in your life. Because if you can't recognize it, how is anyone else going to see it? How is anyone else going to recognize the power that Jesus has to change the lives of mankind, to change the lives of people, if His own Christian people cannot say, this is why... I am a better person. This is why I live better on this earth. This is the attractiveness of Christianity as I see it in my life. Please, please recognize that. As a baby, he was helpless. But I hope you see that as a man, we must go to him because of our own helplessness. As a baby, he was loved. Covered this. I want to talk about it a little bit more. But as a baby... He was loved. Everyone loves babies, don't they? I've got several great nieces, great nephews. Just, you know, love being around them, seeing them, you know, tear open the Christmas presents and sit there and do what babies and what little ones do. But as a baby, Jesus was definitely loved. And as a man, though, as a man, Jesus was hated. Oddly enough, this hate began when he was a baby. Let's turn, please, to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. One of the things about babies is they change things. Still miss that Mustang convertible we used to have. That's all right. Babies change things, don't they? They change things a great deal. And that's what Jesus did as a baby, no doubt. He was loved for those changes. I'm sure that he was. 
But as a man, he was hated, and his hatred began, hatred for him began when he was a baby because Herod saw him as a challenge to his authority. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 7. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. You see, the wise men, they were searching for Jesus, and Herod was interested in finding him. Verse 8, And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. We know that was a lie. Herod was simply trying to find the baby Jesus because he wanted to have him killed, so couldn't find him, so he ends up killing all the children age two and below in the area because he wanted to make sure or try to make sure that Jesus was taken care of. This king, are you kidding me? This ruler has been born. I've got to do something about this because in this age, even today, the family lineage of a monarchy is rather important. So they didn't want anyone, Herod did not want his power taken away from him. Verse 13, Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Babies change things and Jesus was on this earth certainly to change things as well, and he was hated because of this. He was hated as a baby. Herod saw him as a challenge to his authority. Well, he was hated for other reasons also. Let's turn to John chapter 15, please. John chapter 15. As Jesus grew into a man, grew into the leader that he was, people started to take notice. The Sanhedrin in particular, the Jewish council in particular, started to take notice of what Jesus was teaching and who he was proclaiming himself to be. And when people in power get challenged, they don't particularly care for that, now do they? So why was Jesus hated, though? John chapter 15 and verse 18. If the world hates you, Jesus said, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the, the world would love its own. If people look at you funny, if people you know, don't like how you talk or like how you act, and you look just like Jesus Christ, you're doing something right. You're doing something good. And Jesus, from the mouth of God's Son, is proclaiming that very thing in these passages. If you were of the world, guess what? They'd have no problem with you. They'd have no problem with what you did. But because you are not of the world, because you are a Christian... But I chose you out of the world because of this, the world hates you. Jesus is battling against the old law. Well, he's come to fulfill it, but there are those who wanted to make sure it was maintained, even though he was coming to establish a new law with his death on the cross. Jesus was also coming fighting those who were in the world, fighting those who, who loved sin, who didn't love spirituality, who didn't want to take care of themselves in that manner. And Jesus was going against that. Remember, verse 20, the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. So there's a dividing line here. There's a dividing line here between Christians 
and those of the world. And the world is going to look back at you, and I know people teach love, and they, they teach tolerance, they teach all this stuff. But what it amounts to is, at the end of the day, is they're going to look at you, and they're going to hate you, Jesus says, because you don't live like they're living. That is evident. You can probably see it in your life, see it in the media, that people don't like you because you are holding up Christ-like standards. They say, we don't want any part of that God stuff. We don't want any part of that. And so they hate you for it. Let's turn next to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21 gives even further light on why Jesus was hated. Number one, he was just not of this world. What's that mean exactly? Let's dive a little bit deeper into it. John chapter 3 and verse 19. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. Men love the darkness because they liked keeping their sins secret. They liked looking religious on one hand, but they also loved the darkness. They could hide their sin, they could do whatever they wanted, for everyone who does evil, will, evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Where I played football in Smith County, it was an old locker room. You'd turn the lights on, the cockroaches would scatter. And we'd try to kill a few of them before they went into the walls. But they hated the light. They hated it. People who live evil hate the light. Because Scripture says, hey, that behavior is wrong. Hey, that behavior is evil. Hey, you shouldn't be doing that. And what's mankind say? Mankind says, well, it's my right, and it's my body, and it's my life, and I'll do what I want. In a sense, you're exactly right. The laws of the land say you have a lot of freedoms. There's no doubt about that. But Christian liberty should not be taken that way. Christian liberty says you've got to do what Christ says, what Christ instructs, what God has laid out in His Scripture through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Let's read this passage again. This is the judgment. I want to talk about judging stuff. This is the judgment. That the light has come into the world, and men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light. My eyes are getting older. I love light. I know you do too. And does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. He doesn't want to be seen. He's hiding it for one reason or another. He's ashamed of it, possibly. Don't want to be looked down upon. There might be many reasons. Might be ashamed of it. But people who are doing evil, they don't want it exposed. They don't want to feel bad. They don't want to feel guilty. They don't want to be told they're wrong. They want to be told that everything they do is right, and they should be given a gold medal for it. That's what they want to be told. But Jesus says, I want to expose evil deeds. Verse 21, But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Your deeds that you do, if they can be brought to the light, that's a tremendously satisfying thing, isn't it? Because those behaviors are wrought in God. They are made in God's image. They are made through his teachings. And when somebody asks about you, about those things, you can feel good knowing that things that you do can be exposed to the light because that's where it's from. Because that is indeed where it's from. Well, Jesus was hated as a man because He exposed evil deeds. Stay out of the darkness and come to the light. As a baby, He made demands of His parents. 
That's something you learn real quick. Baby needs his parents. They can't do anything. Right? They cry and they eat and a couple of other things when they're a baby. Well, as a baby, Jesus made demands of his parents. But as Jesus grew, as he became a man, he makes demands of everyone. In Luke chapter 13, verses 3 and 5, and I say verse 5 because this verse is actually repeated. Verse 4 says a little bit, but it's said in verse 3, and it's said again in verse 5. Jesus is trying to drive this point home. I tell you no, he's talking about placing judgment on people because of how uh, things occurred with them based on their behavior. You know, we, with our behavior, we try to justify it, don't we? We try to justify our behavior and say, well, I didn't sin a lot this month, so maybe I should have a better outcome at the end. Trying to justify even sinful behavior. But Jesus says, no, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Unless you get away from sin, unless you stay out of sin, unless you do something different. Jesus makes demands of us. And we see here in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Many people like the baby Jesus because he's not making these sort of demands anymore, but the man Jesus is. The man Jesus is making these demands, asking you, demanding that you come to him and that you change your life and that you become a new person, not justify your behavior based on what you've always been told, but rather find out what your behavior should be based on the divine guidance that we hold in our hands, leather-bound, on your phones, paperback, hardback, whatever it might be, but finding that guidance here, because whenever you follow a good path, you live a good life, and you live one based on the demands, the directives of Jesus Christ. As a baby, Jesus did not know much. He'd just been born. Had a lot to learn, didn't he? But as a man, Jesus knew all. And he used his knowledge to speak truth to mankind. That's what he was supposed to do. He had to learn. Of course, he was very well educated by the age of 12 when he was reasoning with those, with the scholars in the temple. He got his knowledge very quickly. We might say he was gifted. But as a baby, he didn't know much, but he grew up, and he grew up fast, and he could answer, and he could talk to the scholars as a young boy, and as a man, he started speaking truth to people. John chapter 8. Let's turn there, please. We read here the passage of the woman taken in adultery. We were talking this morning in our class about personal growth. One of the things for personal growth as we look to the new year that you've got to have, you've got to have knowledge. Brother J.R. Coleman made the excellent point, you know what, you've also got to have understanding also. And I think this is a good illustration of that very point. Let's read here, John chapter 8, beginning with verse 4. The people said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery. In the very act. So we know that there's no doubt about her sin. She was caught with a, a man that she should not have been with. So there's no doubt here, Jesus. Now in the law, Moses commanded us 
to stone, to kill, to assassinate such women. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing him so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. He had other things to think about and to do. Because you know what? Jesus knew the law. He knew it said that. He knew exactly. He'd studied this nearly all his life at this point. Also, he was the Son of God. Jesus knew the law. So they're going to try to capture him, these people, these enemies of his. Verse 7. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up. And said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Those are powerful words, you see, that in in many cases can only come from the Son of God, from someone as wise and as all-knowing as Jesus was. And we see here that, that Jesus knew the law, but he also knew compassion. And he was able to display the truth in ways that the people needed to hear. And when we dive into the Word of God and we study and we look at its various points, we can see this wisdom throughout that changes lives. As a baby, Jesus did not know much, but as a man, Jesus knew all. And we also read the story of the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 27, where the the ruler goes to Jesus and talks about how he has you know, kept the law, how he's done so many things. And he said, you know, what lack I yet? What is it, Jesus, that I still need to do? And Jesus told him, sell all that you have and come, follow me. And what did the ruler do? He went away sorrowful, for he had many possessions. What did Jesus do? Jesus, this loving man who knew all, he didn't, he didn't run after him, did he? He didn't do that. He loved the man, but he allowed him to walk away because Jesus would not compromise on the truth. He was not willing to do that. Because when you love people, you tell them honestly. You tell them explicitly without, uh, without clouding, without you know, putting a fog over the truth. You tell them what they're supposed to hear, what they need to hear. Because it is those truthful words that can really, really change their lives for the better. So as a man, Jesus knew all. And that's one of the reasons we we should respect Him and honor Him. Lastly, Jesus was born to die so that we might be reborn to live. Let's look at John chapter 3, please, once again. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. Let's start with verse 1, actually. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man... Be born when he is old. He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, 
he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus was born to die so that we might be reborn to live is what this passage is talking about. It was God's plan from before the creation of the world to send Jesus to the earth to die. We read this in Luke 24. He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and He said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in His name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Jesus came to die so that we might live. He died for all of the sins of mankind so that God would look at us and see the blood of the Lamb on us and know that we were part of His family. Today, those who are baptized, those who are born again, those who hear the Word and believe it and have faith and repent, confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, are baptized and live faithfully, those people can have life. And I hope you are considered among those. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. What does your faith say? Does your faith say that you're a Christian? Have you been baptized into a watery grave? Have you been added to the body of Christ? If not, then why not? John chapter 10 and verse 10 says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You can be a new person. Jesus came to this earth, He was born, and He died, and He did that so that we could become new creatures. Don't squander that. Don't allow this moment to pass you by that you might be added to the body of Christ this morning. As important as the birth of Jesus is, we must look beyond the manger, beyond the baby Jesus, and see the Christ of the cross who has all authority, who makes demands, but also promises you everlasting life while still not compromising anything because He wants to stick to the truth. He loves you very much, but He will not change His law to accommodate you. And in light of that truth, are you prepared to meet Him? Jesus came and lived a great life on this earth and died for us. Are you prepared to meet Him? If you have not been baptized, I implore you to come forward this morning. And we can help you with that. And you can be added to the body of Christ. Be that born again person. That new creature. The manger is empty. The tomb is empty. Christ is in heaven. I want you to go there and see Him someday. If you have that need or need of prayers of encouragement, come forward now as we stand and sing.